0: and overcome that I have conquered just for you will you pick it up will you carry on will you bring to the victory that in you light today will you will you do that for me and for you hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, lord. yes lord yes lord yes lord yes lord for the high price that you paid so that I could have life that I'll take hold of that life that You've given to me. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. You are the life, you are the way, you are the truth. You are life itself, you are the abundance of life. Oh, I thank you, Lord, I thank you, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God forevermore. He is so good. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, he laid down his life so we can pick it up. You know, it's like Elijah. He went into heaven on the chariots of fire and his mantle dropped to the ground. And Elisha wanted that mantle. But Elisha had to go pick it up. It didn't just fall on him. And it's the same thing with life in Christ. We pick it up. We pick it up every day. Glory to God. More and more and more and more. Stepping further and further into the abundance of life. The glories of life. Life that's worth living. Hallelujah. 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 Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, turn to somebody and tell them, welcome to a great life. And you can be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I've got some things I wanna share with you today. I'm sure that's no surprise to you. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Jesus. Okay, notes, anytime you wanna come up. I don't know what happens between 20 minutes ago and now. Uh, Okay, let's go over here. I'm talking to the computer. (coughs) But I'm talking nicely. (laughs) And. And. There we go. Well, I was about to run upstairs and print it out. (laughs) Uh, First of all, let me tell you that the outreach team went out to the assisted living center yesterday. And for the first time, they played bingo with them. And they loved it. The people loved it. They had a great time. And there was um, six people that made recommitments or first decisions for Jesus in their life. Amen. Amen. To which we say, when they, got served, when they got saved, we heard heaven scream, bingo. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <My> God. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. So it was a total blessing for everybody. They had a glorious day there at the assisted living house. It was wonderful for the kingdom, people coming in. Praise God. Amen. And such precious, wonderful people at the assisted living yeah. house. Glory to God. Okay. So as we're talking about that, let me just tell you that December 1st, uh, Pastor Nid has a project for the residents at Punta Gorda, Brookdale, Punta Gorda Isles, um, assisted living home, and it's on uh, Bow Harbor, 250 Bow Harbor, right there in, in Punta Gorda Isles when you first go in on Mar- off of Marion, and we're doing a Christmas party for the people, going to be singing Christmas carols, playing bingo, and we're doing gifts and having food for all the people there, so we want it to be a total blessing to everybody there at the, at the at the house and um, share, of course, the love of the Lord with them all. So people are needed to help with various activities. This is a Christmas deal and we really wanna make it up nice for them. So please consider sowing your time and your effort into making this a great Christmas for the seniors. They're gonna be meeting at Brookdale at one o'clock on Friday, December the 1st. So um, I'm not sure, but there might be a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Uh, If not, see Dr. Rich or Kathy if you are interested in being a help at that time. So it might be the best or the last opportunity for some people to say yes to Jesus. So uh, with all that's planned, they need some help. If you just want to come for at least part of the time, that would be a great help also. Oh, there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer. So if you want more information, you can see Dr. Rich or Kathy Janiak. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many of you are excited about yes. that? Yes. Okay, I, I just wanted to make sure because I didn't see it on your face. Did we serve the coffee punch. Oh, they're serving coffee punch. But you have to come for a certain amount of time before you can get any of the coffee punch. Ten, ten hours. Yeah. <laughs> And you know passing in makes some good coffee punch. Yes. Okay. All right, let's turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you that my book is out. So this is my third book, and this one's called Building the Bridge of the Soul. So um, they're going to be selling them after service in the coffee room. So you get a chance to go in the coffee room if you want to buy a book. And the books are for for church folks and even on stream folks, if you're partners with us, it's ten dollars. If you're buying it for somebody else, it's fifteen. So it's fifteen for anybody outside of the church. But if you're here and you're part of, you know you, you attend here, it's only ten dollars. Okay? For What's that? Buy, for buy one for myself? Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let your conscience be your guide. Where are we? 2nd <laughs> Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He says, "But realize this that in the last days difficult times will come." Well, I don't think we have to look far to see that. You know, every place we look, Uh, whether it's society, whether it's government, whatever you're involved in, you can even go to the grocery store. There's difficult times that we're dealing with, isn't that right? Everything you're involved with where things used to just go really smooth and really good, uh, you know, as much as you see building going on in the area, lots of building going on, but it's a tedious job to build because everything is just getting difficult. And what's happening is Satan's system is moving strong and wanting to take total control in all things. And in order for him to take total control, it's got to start with the individuals. Isn't that right? Amen. So he says here, realize, recognize, and perceive this, that in the last days, difficult times come. Well, we know we're in the last days. In fact, we know that within, I think, eight years now, the body of Christ will be 2,000 years old which is the end of the sixth day, and then we're going to go into the seventh day, and early on the seventh day, or the, the third day, it says that Jesus rose. So we got, we're going to be two days old, or 2,000 years old, and then step into the next dispensation, and early in that dispensation, we'll be headed home. Yes. Amen. 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 Now, thankfully, it won't be the end of life. It'll be the best part of life. Amen? It'll be the beginning of all good things. But go over to Proverbs 27 for a minute, verse 12. Proverbs 27:12. And there's a very, very important statement here made, <clears throat> as well as all the others that are in the Bible. But here in Proverbs 27, 12, it says, A prudent man sees evil, and he hides himself. The naive proceed and pay the penalty. Okay, so the prudent man sees evil and he hides himself and it means that he sees it and he guards and protects himself from that evil. He says here the naive will proceed, all right? In other words, they're just going to go with the flow of whatever's going on. They're just going to move on in the flow, but they're going to pay the price, okay? So we have to guard and protect. If we are the prudent person, the wise person, we're going to see it. But we're going to do things to guard and protect ourselves in those days coming up. Amen. Otherwise, you know, you, know what the, you know what the naive are. Naive is, right? Oh, God will just take care of it. Oh, God will take it. Oh, God will do it. That's the naive, the simple. And there's no wisdom at all in that person. Because the wise person will see it, recognize it, perceive it, and then guard and protect from what's coming up. Amen. So he says in Timothy, difficult, perilous, dangerous times are coming, and that word difficult also means things that will come to reduce your strength. See, the, the 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 whole idea is to reduce your strength, so you're not strong to stand in the days ahead. Oh, I'm just so tired lately. Oh, I just I just I just don't feel like to see. That's what's happening. The pressures of the days are coming on you, and you're not doing anything to stand and to guard yourself and protect yourself against it. You're going in the flow. It's come to reduce your strength, and now you're in the flow of a lack of strength. Are you with me? Perilous times, dangerous, difficult times will come. Do we see it? Do we recognize it? Well, what are you doing to guard and protect yourself? See, that's the whole question. What are you doing to God and protect you. The prudent don't only see it. He will guard and protect from that. Look at the Amplified Bible in 2 Timothy 3.1. Hello, Sandy. Glad you're there this morning. Praise God. Good to join together on live stream and podcast. 2 Timothy 3.1, he says, But understand this, that in the last days will come set in, Perilous times of great stress and trouble. Hard to deal with and hard to bear. All right? In the last days will come. Will come. Not might come. Not could come. But it's coming. Isn't that right? And the closer that we get to the end of this dispensation, the more difficult things are going to get. Look at the Passion Translation. It says, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. You know, culture. Well, you can see it's going on. They're becoming more and more fierce. Isn't that right? You can see it out there. Well, it's a sign that we're arriving near to the end. Amen. You know, last week we were in Jacksonville and uh, when we had to come home, we started driving back from Jacksonville. Okay. Okay. When I came to Orlando, I knew I was closer to home. When I came to Camp Tampa, I said, won't be long now. As I approached Northport, I said, it's right around the corner. And then I came across the Peace River Bridge, and I said, I'm home. But yet, I still had more to go. I was in the season. When I hit Northport, I was in the season. Of, I'm sorry, when I came across the bridge, I was in the season of being home. But then I actually drove onto the property I came into the building, and then I sat down in my home. Yes. Are you with me? Yeah. So where are we in our trip to the end? James 1.12 Mm. It said, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, statistics show that most accidents, car accidents, happen within 20 miles of your home. That's why I moved. (laughs) Okay, never mind. Well, why is it that most accidents happen within 20 miles of the home? Are we relaxed? Have we lost focus? Have we taken the drive for granted and said, oh, I'm home. I'm coming across the bridge now, I'm home. And I just lose focus and relax. Are you with me? So what is the sign that we're getting close? Difficult, perilous, hard to bear, and society becoming more and more fierce. But yet, it is not impossible to live victorious in these days. The Word of God says we can endure to the end, persevere under trial. We don't have to have accidents in the last 20 miles of the end. We can persevere and receive the victor's crown. That's what that crown of life is. It's the victor's crown. Amen. Amen. So that's not about eternal life because he's writing to believers. But he's saying to the believer, enduring and persevering under trial, you'll get the victor's crown. Amen. Have you ever been on a trip and you've been headed home? Okay, and as you're getting home, whether you've come on home on a plane or whether you're driving home, you start to think about when you get home. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about when you're going to be off the plane, you're going to be out of the car, and you're going to be home. If you were on a long trip, you might be thinking about, as soon as I get home, I'm taking a nap. Right? If you had nothing to eat, then you might think, as soon as I get home, I'm going to get something to eat. I'm going to have something to drink. huh? You might have chores waiting for you when you get home, and you know that. When you get home, you know there's things that you're going to have to do, right? So beyond the trip, we're going to be thinking about being home and what we need to do when we get there. Well, what about as we end the, as we approach the end days of this dispensation? What are we thinking about? We know it's not the end of life, and it'll be the culmination into a great life. But how great is it going to be for you? There's going to be levels of greatness. There's going to be those that get in by the seat of their pants. Talks about it in Revelation. And it's like they all dressed up, and they've got a uh, a, a tuxedo on, but the flap of their pants is open, and and the one wearing the tuxedo don't know it. Everybody else knows it. Your flap's open. It's like, what was that story about that? Was it a king with no clothes? Okay. Everybody knew it except him. And See, and that's what it is. And this is why you have to be ready and prepared. And you got to check things out. You need to get a 360 mirror and check things out in your life. Because what you do here will determine how it goes there. There are levels of rewards and levels of increase and levels of abundance when you get into your eternal home. And, you know, you're going to come back and live on the earth. You're not going to be in heaven forever. You know, if you go in the rapture, you've got seven years of earth time in heaven, and then you're coming back. And then we live here for all eternity. Amen. And the earth will be a whole lot better than it is now. And we all going to be looking better than we do now. (laughs) No more face creams, no more exfoliating, no more tucking poles, no more nothing. Just going to be looking good. (laughs) Uh, So what we do here, how we prepare here, how we get ready here, you must know that eternity is coming up. And I've got to prepare things here. Isn't that right? And the way I prepare things here is by living for the Lord. How we plan for those days in eternity, and how do we plan for the season of the end? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what do we know about the last days? Pressure's on. The pressure is on. I don't know if sometimes you can just feel that on you. You could feel pressures coming against you. And Satan is rising up stronger In society, as society gives themselves to him and walking in his ways, then therefore he has more access to move through society, which creates a more and more fierce society. Right? But again, it's we can be victorious over that. So pressure is on stress might be bringing symptoms on us in our body. You might feel like there's an all-out attack from hell against you. And we start wondering, what should I do? Where's my answer? What, where do I go? How can I get released from all of this? How can I have peace in my life and not have to deal with all of this stuff? And the answer is, as it always is, faith. The answer is, as it always is, faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by. So as I hear the word of God, faith can come to me. Isn't that right? So just like God gave his life for us, we had to pick it up. God's given his word to us, but we have to pick it up. And we have to pick up that life of faith. That faith won't just come upon us. Because faith and real faith is only based on what the Word of God says. Faith in God is faith in His Word and what He has declared in the Bible. So that we can know. Why did did He give us the Bible? So you can know what He thinks. And as you know what He thinks, then you can think the same way He thinks. Isn't that right? You can talk the same way that He would talk in your life and circumstances. You know, when when Jesus... um, when he had cursed that fig tree, remember? And the fig tree died from the roots up. And they were, the disciples were astonished that the fig tree withered. And Jesus made a statement and said, it's written in English, have faith in God. But it actually says, have the God kind of faith or have the faith that is of God. You know, Jesus is the author and the perfecter of faith. Jesus is the word made flesh. So Jesus is the author of faith because faith comes from that word, okay? And he's the perfecter of faith because he'll give you direction by the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you in that truth so you can apply that word into your life and have the result of that word. Amen. Are you with me? John sixteen thirty three. Jesus makes this statement here before he goes to the God, and this is some of the last things he said to his disciples. And he said, These things I have spoken to you, so that in you, so that in me, rather, you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. Amen. Amen. Now, when did Jesus overcome the world? When he went to the cross and was raised from the dead out of eternal life, out of eternal death, right? So, but he says here, I've overcome the world. Why? Because he's already in the season. See, he's already in that season, ready to overcome. And when he was raised from the dead, he overcame. But he says here, in the world, you have tribulation. So troubles, tribulation, and trials are a part of life. Great. (laughs) You know, but for the believer that's developed in the Word of God... Conquering is a part of life. Amen. Amen. Let me say that again. For the believer who is developed in the Word of God, conquering is a part of life. We all have levels and we all have places of feeling overwhelmed in life. You know, things that may overwhelm you may not overwhelm me, but in a greater level, I could get overwhelmed. But in that level, that might be not overwhelming to somebody else, but in greater levels, there is overwhelming to them. Everybody faces it. Everybody deals with the same things. Isn't that right? We all have places and levels where we feel pressured. We all have places in our life and levels where we want to give up. Everybody deals with it, it's not unusual. But yet, when we deal with those things, it's not time to quit. You know, I love the hat. Uh, I was in uh, 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 Jacksonville, and Brother Kempe, you remember Kempe and Lisa Womble that was here in September? Brother Kempe has a hat on, and it's the name of his men's group. And the hat says, Man Up. It's the name of their men's group. I think everybody should wear it. When you feel like quitting, you should see the sign, man up. When pressures seem like they're getting too strong, look at the hat, man up. Well, what man should you man up in? The man Christ Jesus, man up in him. Isn't that right? Amen. Having done all the stand, then what's the time to do? Stand. Go to Ephesians 6, 13 and 14. Ephesians 6, 13 and 14. He says, therefore, take up the full armor of God that you will be able to resist resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm, stand firm therefore. Having done everything to stand, stand. Isn't that right? Now notice what it says in verse 13. He said to put on the full armor or take up the full armor of God, that you will be able to resist. So armor is what gives you the ability to resist, is what gives you the ability to stand. In verse 10, he said, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So then we're not talking about you in your will and in your flesh and in your human abilities to stand because everybody has a breaking point. And when you stand in yourself, you will break. But when you stand in him, you will be able, by the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the word of God, you'll be able to stand. You'll be able to resist. Amen. So he said, take up the full armor of God. He didn't say, put as long as you have it in the closet, you're okay. He didn't say, as long as you go to church once a week, you're okay. He said, take up, put on the full armor of of God. Don't leave any peace off. Take up the whole thing. Because only by taking on the armor will you be able to resist and to stand. Amen. Amen. And then he says in verse 14, I think it's 14 through 16. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, in verse 17, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. So he said, Stand firm, therefore, having. Having so this is what you have to have in every situation. This is not a general uh, uh, statement to where you know well. Just generally, you know, I know. No, no. This is each and every situation you've got to take up and put on the full armor of God, and you can only stand when you have truth girded in truth. Not your truth. We don't give a rip about your truth. The devil don't give a rip about your truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. So therefore, the truth is the word of God. When Jesus spoke to the Father, he said, thy word is truth. There is no truth outside of his word. Now, there might be true facts, but every true fact is subjected to the truth. If you subject that true fact to the truth, that true fact is going to have to change. And he said that you have to be girded in or walking in the truth, not just know it in your head. This is not about a thing in your nogget. This is about walking, having walked in, girded your loins so you can walk in the truth. In 3 John 2, 3 John 3, he says, I have no greater joy than this, than to hear of my children walking in truth. Isn't that right? Amen. So we have to be girded in truth. And then he says the breastplate of righteousness. Well, when you got born again, we know that we became the righteousness of God in Christ. But he's not talking about that imputed righteousness. He's talking about Practical righteousness. An outward working of that which you were made to be. Isn't that right? Okay. And then he talks about the shoes of peace. Well, the shoes of peace is the shoes based on knowing the word of God. I'm girded in truth. I'm walking in righteousness. So now I have shoes of peace, which is shoes of stability. It's getting off of that roller coaster ride and getting stable in life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And then he says about the shield of faith. Well, the shield of faith is what? It's the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. So you stand behind the shield of faith. When you, The shield was not that little round decorative shield. The shield that they used was as big as a door. It covered them from... Head to foot, okay? Now, my shield's not as big as Brother Dan's shield. Dan's got a bigger shield than I have, okay? Covers from head to foot and from the right side to the left side. And the idea is you stand behind it. What do most people do? They look. Is it really working? And bam, they get hit. (laughs) You got to stay behind your protection. All right, standing behind the shield of faith. And then it comes uh, the helmet of salvation, which is a renewed mind. And the sword of the Spirit is the word of God in your heart and in your mouth. Yeah. Amen. Amen. This is the armor that we ought to take up and put on in every situation. So you ought to have that as a checklist and see where you're at in the midst of every situation. Look at the uh, Amplified Bible, verse 13. I believe. Amplified. Thank you. Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all, the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Amen. In times of pressures, in times of crisis, it is needful to stand firm in place and not move. Now, what happens to most Christians if they are just problem oriented well the pri- the pressures and the crisis comes up and then they're like well what does the word of God say well what the and now they're trying to develop an armor and they have nothing to put on because they haven't done anything to prepare right. and get ready yep. and then they pull something out from the archive that they have in their head And say, well, that's what I believe. You don't believe that any more than the man of the moon. That's an archive of something from years ago. There's nothing fresh about that. Are you with me? This is why you have to prepare and be ready. Because trials come. Crisis comes. And you have to be ready. Put on the armor. Uh, The Passion Translation. Let's look at that in verse 13. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer, for you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Now, what is the problem with most people? They're afraid of confronting their problems, they want to run. They want to hide. They want to blow it off. They just want to say, oh, it'll be okay. No big deal. You're not confronting anything. Therefore, victory don't belong to you. Are you with me? You've got to confront the situation. Now, we're not fighting flesh and blood, and we understand that. So you've got to confront those things that you're dealing with. The armor will provide us protection as we confront demonic attacks. But you have to confront it. That's what the sword of the spirit is. It's not that big, long, broadsword. It's that little dagger that was used for close contact so you can jab your enemy and kill him. Amen. And what does the armor do? It destines you for victory. Amen. In order to walk in truth, put on practical, outworking righteousness, to conduct conflicts in peace in our spirit and soul, to remain in faith, to have the sword of the spirit in our heart and our mouth, it's going to take a renewing of the mind and a restoration of the soul. It's the bridge between the spirit realm and the natural realm. Amen. And everything has to cross the bridge. One way in, one way out. Amen. And you can have broken down vehicles on your bridge or you can have... Lamborghinis, Ferraris and everything else on it. So you know, you choose what you want on your bridge. You don't understand that, then you need to get the book. Second Corinthians chapter 10. That was a shameful promotion of my own book.) <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. <laughs> it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. We're not going to get through all of this today, but I do want to at least touch on a major part of it. So he says in verse three, he said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Well, we all walk in the flesh. We're all flesh and blood. Isn't that right? All human beings. All right. So we walk and we live in this flesh. But he says we do not war. We don't battle. We don't strategize. According, the word according is an intensive word controlled and dominated by flesh. Now this time he's talking about flesh. The second time he's not talking about your human body. He's talking about the psychological aspect of human nature, which contrasts with the spiritual nature. It is the aspect of human nature which characterized by or reflects typical human reasoning and desires in contrast with those aspects of human thought and behavior that relates to God and the spiritual life. Because we know, according to Romans, you can set your mind on the things of the flesh or you can set your mind on the things of the spirit. Isn't that Right. So he says we don't war, we don't battle or strategize, controlled and dominated by the psychological aspect of human nature, which is in, characterized by and reflects typical human reasoning and desires, but is in contrast to the aspects of thought and behavior which relates to God and the spiritual life. So you can have thoughts and behavior based on just human nature, or you can have thoughts and... Uh, 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 you know you can do things according to God you know you can choose either way isn't that right so when he's talking about the flesh we don't war according to that psychological aspect of typical human reasoning that's the carnal mind that's a carnal way of thinking that's being a mere man in other words anybody can do that isn't that right but it's all about what he's saying is we don't war by leaning to natural things. We don't war by leaning to material things. We don't war with the weapons of manipulation. We don't war with the weapons of deceit. We war with truth, the word of God. Truth, you know, and what was, remember the armor? Truth, truth versus manipulation, the breastplate of righteousness versus. A man's image of success. Peace versus smooth words to deceive. Faith versus the perception of power and knowledge. The helmet of salvation versus control. The sword of the spirit versus schemes and programs. Are you with me? The weapons we don't want. In the flesh, we, we, we do not war according to the flesh, although we walk in the flesh. Verse 4 says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Okay, the weapons means the battle, the strategizing. This not the psychological realm. They're not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful or made able through God strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I mean, I don't know about you, but do I want my own self-will standing in a situation to take control or do I want the power of God standing behind me? And I don't know if you realize this, but the older you get, the less and less that will is able to stand. Especially if you're doing it in your own self. Amen. Because all of that stuff is subject to the pressures but if I do it through God, divinely powerful, mm-hmm. it's going to bring to my life capability. Yes. It's going to make me competent and make all things possible. Yes. Then no matter what you're facing, victor- victory is possible. Yes. Amen. Yes. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction or the pulling down, the demolishing and the dismantle- and dismantling of fortresses, strongholds, and it's used metaphorically of any strong points or arguments in which one trusts. You know, I don't know about you, but I've talked with many people that will argue against what the Word of God says, and they'll always walk themselves into a corner because there's no way out. But God is always an answer, and since there's no end to Him, there's always more to go. And there's strong points and argument that people just refuse to Like, I remember one time I was over in Gilchrist Park back in the 80s. I'm in Gilchrist Park and we're out there witnessing. And I walk up to a woman and she's on vacation. And I was in my 30s at the time. She was an older woman, uh, probably younger than I am now, but she was an older woman then. <laughs> and I, I walked up to her and started telling her about Jesus and she's sitting there. I think she's got a bottle of scotch or something. I don't know. But she, she, I'm telling her about Jesus. And she says, um, I believe in that. I said, you believe in Jesus? I believe in that. Now, do you believe in Jesus? I believe in that. I said, well, the Bible don't say you get saved by believing in that. The Bible says you get saved by believing in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? I believe that. She would never say the name of Jesus because she didn't believe. She had some kind of a psychological reasoning and argument that she's holding to, but would not take hold of the truth of the Word of God. Are you with me? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus, not that, but Jesus is Lord. I mean, if somebody came up to you on the street and you were just standing there and said, you you believe in Jesus, what would you say? Yes, I do believe in Jesus. Glory to God. You know, you'd have no problem. Because you're saved. Amen. Amen. So any strong points or arguments in which one trusts, that is a fortress or a stronghold. And it says in uh, the next verse, we are destroying speculations. Destroying, demolishing. And it's an intensive word. It means to intensively cast down. Intensively cast down. Down. This stuff about, oh, you know, I just don't pay attention to that. You're a fool. You've just allowed access into your life because you did nothing about it. And then you wonder why life isn't getting any better. Because you're not intensively casting down the stuff that's coming again. I don't care if you're watching something on TV, driving down the road, you see some kind of a billboard, somebody says something to you, you need to at least within yourself intensively cast that thing down. It would be like grabbing somebody by the back of his neck and throwing them down onto the ground and then stepping on his neck. Are you with me? Intensively casting down. And it also means continuous. This is not a one-time deal. Because, you know, the devil, he can bring, you know, not every thought you have is your own. Thoughts can come to you, right? So do you think that because you cast down a thought, that thought won't come back again? Oh, you need to cast it down every single time. You need to deal with it every single time. Amen. You want to be a winner every time or just once in a while? Well, then you got to do what you need to do to be a winner every time. Hi, Pedro. Glad you're there. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're destroying speculations or, yeah, speculations or imaginations. And the word spec, it means a reckoning, a calculation, a consideration, and a reflection. We're destroying reckonings, calculations, considerations and reflections. In the classical Greek, it meant to use, they used the word of consideration and reflection that preceded and determined conduct. Because what you think you will do. Amen. We are destroying, casting down those reckonings. Calculations, considerations, and reflections that proceed and determine wrong conduct. Amen. So, if we ought to be girded in the truth, then what should we be considering? Calculating, reckoning regularly. The word of God. If we're walking in the truth, then that should be the reckoning calculations of our thinking. Regularly. Not just once in a while. Not just when I have a problem. Not just when a situation shows up. But regularly. Why? Because that is your preparation. That is your protection. And that is what you stand behind when the crap hits the fan. And it will always hit the fan. Now, you may not like hearing that, but you won't forget it, especially when it does hit the fan. Because in the world, you have tribulations. But if you're not on a regular basis calculating, considering, and reckoning the Word of God, then when that crisis hits, your conduct will be wrong. And there's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends of it will be death. Death. Ruin. Are you with me? If we are to be walking in practical righteousness, what should we be considering? If we're to be walking in peace, if we're to have a shield of faith, what should we be reckoning? If we're supposed to have the helmet of a renewed mind and the sword of the spirit, the word of God in our heart and in our mouth, what should our calculations be based on? It's a consideration of the word of God as long as it's now. Presently, not like, well, I did that, I think it was last week. No, presently, now. Amen. Amen. We are to pull down, cast down, and take every thought captive. Well, you got to pay attention to what you think. We all face situations. We've talked about we all deal with pressures. Isn't that right? So how do we handle situations? It's a key thing right here. How do you handle situations? You know, for a lot of people, their, their handling of situations is what we always called in psychology classes, displaced aggression. You know, I took psychology classes. I just never finished the course. I only finished the first half, the psycho part. I never <laughs> finished the other part. <laughs> but displaced aggression. So I have a problem maybe at work. With the office manager. no, no. please please (laughs) yeah please (laughs) threaten me with firing me (laughs) but suppose you have a problem at work right but you don't really handle the problem so you go home and take it out on your spouse or your family that's displaced aggression or you're all upset over what happened at work so you go to the grocery store and you don't think that the checkout clerk Uh, handle things right, so you get in their face and you tell them off. Well, that's uh, not a problem with that person. It's just you are not handling the situation right. It's displaced aggression. You should have used aggression in that one area, but you didn't, so you use it on other people. And now you feel better, and the other people feel like trash. And they're like, well, what did I do wrong? How about you have a situation... And you're in a habit of just laughing everything off why just laugh I'm just laughing it off or you handle a situation and you don't really want to confront the situation so you joke about the whole thing and make all kinds of jokes so that maybe it'll just you know everybody will just let go and you don't have to confront anything or there's more or you're in a situation that you need to confront and deal with, but you don't want to, so you just smile and then hold it all on the inside. And everybody thinks that because you laugh it off and joke it off, smile and not let it out, everybody thinks you're patient, but you're not. You just refuse to deal with the situation. See how quiet it got? Yeah. See, this is how you deal with your life. This is how you look at your life and examine things. This is not about, well, I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not, uh, we're not, well, man, I would just hope that we're way beyond that stuff. This is the everyday dealings of life that is stopping the blessings of God getting into your life. And we all have to do it. We all have to deal with it. And to sit there and go, I never have a problem, then you ain't doing nothing. I'm telling you right now. You ain't doing nothing. Everybody deals with this stuff. This is a part of life. You might have learned it when you were five years old and it's become such a part of you, you don't even realize it anymore. And it's become a stronghold of life because we wouldn't deal with the situation. So my reaction to a situation by displaced aggression by just laughing it off or just by joking about it or just by smiling and holding it on. It's all stronghold because there's no, there's no answer to the situation. It's kind of like picking up the rug and just trying to put everything underneath it, and then pretty soon there's a whole mountain underneath that rug, and you're still smiling about it, and everybody else is tripping. Are you with me? And then what do we do? We excuse it away. Oh, that's just the way I am. Well, is that the way you are because of what you've done in your past and how you've handled life? Or is that the way you are because that's the way God made you? You know, your personality is not based on what, how God made you. Your personality is based on what the world's made you. And how you have chosen to deal with situations in life. That's what our personality is all about. Now, character is different. We have godly character in us. Love, joy, peace, endurance, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. That's God's character. It would be nice if that worked out a little more than the other stuff. Are you with me? We might not ever have dealt with those things before but we may have chosen to start dealing with some strongholds in our life Mm -hmm. and when you take that stronghold on there will come pressure and there will come resistance to stand against you to keep you from changing because the devil wants to keep you under control But when you decide I'm going to stand up against that stronghold and I'm going to take my place and do what I need to do and intensively do as necessary to pull this thing down. There's going to be resistance and there's going to be pressure. But take courage because he's overcome the world. Amen. Amen. It takes strength and courage from the word of God to press in to these things. You don't need to be a strong person to go with the flow of the strongholds. That's why they're strongholds, because you went in the flow. And we all have strongholds. Anybody in here don't have strongholds? Don't raise your hand and we'll cast that lion devil out of you. We all have them. Now, we may not all recognize them. We might not all perceive them. But if you sit and examine your life according to the word of God, you will see that you do have them. And we can deal with those things. And sometimes you've got to sacrifice soul peace to have real peace. You know, so many times people just, oh, you know, you just got to be peaceful. Well, a lot of times that's just soul peace. And sometimes you're going to have to take that soul peace and kick it out the door and get real peace that comes out from the Spirit. Amen? Amen. You know, Pastor Nid was always a communicator. She grew up in a big family, um, worked on the farm. They had no electricity. In fact, it wasn't until 1984, I think, when we went back to Thailand that they finally got electricity out at the farm. And you know what electricity meant? It meant you can keep the lights on and work longer. (laughs) That's all it meant. (laughs) So, uh, So she was brought up as a kid and they all worked the farm. She had uh, about nine brothers and sisters, and there was her mom, her dad, her grandma. So they they all talked all day long. I didn't. I did not talk. My family did not talk. My family sat in front of the TV. We looked at the TV, and my father would say, get me another beer. Or I was the remote, get up and change the channel. You know, whatever needed to be done. But we didn't really communicate. Um, never talked about anything serious that I can remember. I seriously can't remember. And um, so I wasn't a communicator, but Pastor Ned was. So Pastor Ned always wanted to communicate. I didn't like communication. What do you need to talk to me for? I didn't like it. So before getting born again, I would blow up about what I didn't want to hear. She would talk about stuff. I don't want to hear that, so I would just blow up, and that was a way of getting things to shut down. Are you with me? But thank God Pastor Ned was stronger than that. She was a communicator. She's going to communicate. She needs to communicate. So when I got born again, I actually pressed into communication. I realized I needed to communicate, that non-communication was not a good thing. OK, and I didn't mind, you know, when I got saved and I'm in the pulpit, you know, I started teaching fine, you know. But after that, don't talk to me. I don't communicate. So I had to press in based on what the word of God said and by the power of the Holy Spirit. I had to face some things. And because Pastor Nid was a communicator, she would not just communicate about stuff. She would communicate about our marriage. You know, and I'm thinking, what's wrong with the marriage? I don't see any problem here. Why? Because my marriage was just like the house I came out of. But to her, the marriage was not like what she was used to. She was used to a house of communication. I was not. So I'm fine, just leave me alone. Don't bother me. I'm gonna come home from work, and you take care of the kids, you take care of the house, you take care of everything, you do everything. I just go to work. That's all I do. You know, I watched my father would decorate the Christmas tree. He'd get out there with the lights and whoo, just throw everything up there. And I used to think, man, he's so fast about it. Well, he hated decorating. So he wanted to make my mother quiet. So he would just throw the lights on the tree, be quiet, Flossie. And he was done decorating. I didn't learn that until later on. So, that wasn't a good thing to learn. But I would have to face things. So, Pastor Nid would start talking about stuff, and then she'd start talking about the marriage, and ultimately she'd start talking about me. So, this was not an easy thing. But I was before God, and I'm like, I'm going to communicate. I'm going to communicate. So I have to now listen to what she says. Because, you know, communicating, the biggest part of communication is what? Not yapping, listening. listening. That's the biggest part of communication. If you don't listen, you don't communicate. So she would start talking about some stuff. And I'd hear what she's saying. And I'd have to now examine what she's saying. Now, I wouldn't examine it based on what she's saying. I'd examine what she said Based on the Word of God. Now, based on the Word of God, you're right. And I had to admit some things. Okay, I had to admit to a lot of things that was wrong. See, I was never always the wonderful, great person you see today. (laughs) I had some major issues. And I only know that now because I'm on this side of it. So now I can look back and go major issues okay and it took honesty and then the other h word that everybody hates humility it took honesty and humility before god and in the face of his word and i had to say i'm wrong and i had to make changes why because i didn't want to fight against god i'm not fighting against her She's just sharing some stuff based on what she has learned from the word of God. And she's like, you ain't got it together. And my defense. I would share things with her, too, about things she needed to change. So just so that you know. But I'm the one up here, and I'm taking all the brunt. But I didn't want to fight against God. So I had to admit what it said in his word is true, and I was wrong. And I wanted life to be better. You know, some people don't want to change. And usually it's because of fear. When people don't want to change, it's because of fear. You might be afraid that others will take advantage of you if you change. Or if I become nice, they're going to take advantage of me. They're afraid they won't get their way. They're afraid of the unknown. Well, if I change, what's it going to be like? You know, when I first got saved on the inside, I I know that now, you know, they say that when you get saved, you feel very clean on the inside. You know, and I needed a good house cleaning. (laughs) So when I got saved, you know, I felt very clean on the inside. But the word I used was naive. Because, you know, I've not been in church. I didn't know anything about it. You know, the, the Christianese language. I didn't know nothing. So when I first got saved, I felt naive on the inside. Well, for a New York boy. That was a scary thing because when you are naive, people will take advantage of you. And when you feel naive, you will act naive, you will be naive, and you will be taken advantage of. And that really scared me. And I really had to make some considerations at that point. And I decided life in God was greater, even if I was feeling naive. See, but that whole life of feeling that way now is to- was totally new to me. So I was afraid of it because it's all unknown. Sometimes people are afraid of changing because they won't get their way anymore. You know, if I wasn't going to listen to Pastor Nid and what she was saying based on the Word of God and go, I don't care what it says, I'm not changing. Well, that's because I don't want her to get over on me. I don't want, I, I don't want her to have her way and then I'm not going to get my way. You know, and marriage don't work like that marriage is not about getting your way marriage is about our way and that's where that's where compromise is needed the man compromises him because before you get married you are who you are as an individual she is who she is as an individual and then you're coming together and she don't want to live like you and you don't want to live like her here comes the fighting why don't you live, you know, you're in your ditch, she's in her ditch, and you trying to get her into your ditch to do things like you, and then she finally gives up and goes, okay, I'll come over to your ditch and be like you, and then you get ticked off because now she's a ditch witch. <laughs> you're like, I don't understand what's going on. Life is great here. Why aren't you just happy with the way I do? No, because that's not the way she does things. And the idea is you get out of your ditch, she gets out of her ditch, and you get on the middle of the road called compromise, and you give up things of each other, what each other like, and get in the middle of the road to where now it's our life. Not my life or your life. Our life. And if you need marriage counseling, you can call. (laughs) 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 But That's part of our premarital counseling. So it takes more strength to admit that you're wrong than to convince others of your being right. It doesn't take any strength to convince other people that you're right. It takes a lot of strength to, com- to admit that you're wrong. Some people are afraid of change because they're afraid of losing control in situations. Some people are afraid of change because their ego, they, in their ego, they don't think much of a person that gives in. I'm not gonna give in. I don't give in. I don't. I'm not that kind. I don't give in to nothing. You're gonna have to give in. Jeez, and that strife in you is what's killing you. That strife is all that that is. It's just ruining your life. Honest communication. So, is what I hear from my spouse true or not? See, I'm not talking about you just hear from anybody. Somebody comes over to you and says, you know, you're a little wretched. No, I'm not talking about that. Nobody has a right to talk into your life. Except your spouse. I'm not talking about somebody being a fault finder. You know, there's people in the body of Christ, oh, they're so good at fault finding. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a spouse that will speak the word of God to you. And let the Word of God be the great counselor. And then you face your issue with the sword of the Spirit. you got to get on the helmet of salvation, renew your mind, get a hold of the truth, get behind that shield of faith, get that sword of the Spirit in your heart and in your mouth, and start talking it to yourself about the need to change and what you need to do. And start tearing down the stronghold with the Word of God. Casting off intensively casting off the imagination, casting off the speculation, cast it off presently, continually, regularly, cast it off, put it down. As it and I, when we first got saved, well, even before we got saved, uh, who else am I going to talk? Well, I, Bill and Barbara, you know. <laughs> who else you want me to talk about? Terry, Terry and Mark. You know, let me tell you what I saw at their house last week. No, no, okay. So before getting saved, we would have arguments over stuff. And I mean, it would be blow-up arguments we had. And um, it would always be like, let's see, we were saved, I think we were married seven years before we got saved. So when the arguments would start, the last seven years of stuff comes up. I mean, the whole calendar and everything comes up. You could tell the day, the time, and everything, when this happened, and you're just going down this whole road, you know, filling in the the calendar of everybody's issues and problems. So then um, after getting saved, it didn't change. It was still the same until I found out in the Word of God that said, as God has forgiven us in Christ, so we should forgive one another. Well, how did God forgive us in Christ? He forgave us, and he forgot about it. Now, we know he can't forget, so he chooses to yeah. not bring it up. He chooses to forget about it, okay? So who he forgives, he forgets about it. So I had to make a decision and say, okay, God, I am forgiving my wife from the last seven years. Not meaning that the last seven years was all her fault. Dear God, we know it wasn't. <laughs> but I had him take that stand of faith and say, I forgive because that's what's going to release me. See, my forgiving her doesn't release her. My forgiving her releases me, who sins you retain. You will retain it, but if you forgive it, you'll be free from it. So I chose I'm going to forget about it, and we'd get into an argument, and here it comes, last seven years. And I'd have to walk away and go into the bedroom and go, As God has forgiven us in Christ Jesus, so I forgive in the same way. God forgave, God forgot. Therefore, I forgive and I forget, and I will not bring this up, and I will not allow these thoughts to come up. What was I doing? Casting down imaginations, breaking strongholds, casting it off, casting it off, casting it off. Did it work for the moment until the next argument came along? And here comes the seven years again. Well, it wasn't until it was a consistent, 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 cast down, cast down, cast down, and not taken, refused the thoughts to come that it finally stayed away. Now I can't even tell you what you did last week. (laughs) I don't mean bad things. I mean even anything. I just don't remember because I choose not to. The Bible says, forget the things that lie behind and press on to the things that are ahead. Are you with me? See, that's casting down strongholds, casting down the imaginations, pulling down the lofty things that don't line up with the word of God. And some people would say, well, I can't do that. Well, is it you can't or is it you won't? So then the next question is, are you a Christian or not? Because you have all the capabilities you have all the weapons you have the armor you have everything you need to cast that down we cannot grow in believing listen to this you cannot grow in believing if you're not continually renewing your mind you cannot You cannot grow and increase your believing if you're not continually renewing your mind. We will not grow into the faith that's needed for tomorrow if we continue with yesterday's thinking. You must change. And that's in any area and every area, not just spiritual things, it's everything. You can't keep up with tomorrow if you continue thinking like yesterday. Amen. Pressures are increasing in life and you won't handle tomorrow's pressures with yesterday's faith. And the moment you think I got it all together, you just lost it. Because at that point, you quit increasing. The Holy Spirit will help us in renewing our mind and restoring our soul. But you have to give yourself to the word of God. And to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Serve the Lord in a better way. Live for the Lord in a stronger way. Be a witness for the Lord in a more powerful way. A renewed mind develops in strength of character. If you remember Second Peter chapter one, I'll close with this. You remember Second Peter chapter one, where it says, add to your faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness. Uh, brotherly kindness, and love. Well, love is the character and nature of God, but it starts off in faith, and you ought to end up over there with character. Godly character, because when you get to that place of uh, that godly character, the grace that's in Christ will increase in you, and godly character will give strength to whatever you believe at whatever level you believe it. You know, we can all believe the same thing, but we believe them in different levels. And whatever level you're believing in, character will give strength to whatever it is you're believing. You increase character for increased levels of grace in order to handle tomorrow's pressures. They are coming. They are coming. But we can be prepared, we can have a place of strength, we can have a place of protection. And we can be successful and we can conquer in every area, no matter what happens, no matter what comes, no matter what pressures get released in society. It does not matter. We can live victorious. I've said it many times in believing God. I may die, but I will never lose. Never lose. Amen. And when you understand that, you'll never be afraid to press in with God. I might die, but I will not lose. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we bless you. We honor you, Lord. We give you all the praise. We give you all the thanks. Thank you, Lord, for revelation and impartation today into our spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the things that we've heard that we can take them, meditate on them, think about them, ponder them. And then by the power of your Holy Spirit, they can get dropped down again into our spirit in greater ways and in greater measures. Father, I just thank you for your word. Your word is your power. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not ashamed of the word of God, for it is the power of God. And Father, I thank you. Thank you, Father, that we can walk in that power and walk in that release of power in our life and circumstances. Father, we thank you for it. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help us in these things, make these things real on the inside of us, that we will apply them into our life and that we can walk in the results, walk in the success, and walk as the overcoming conqueror in all things that you've made us to be. We bless you, we honor you, and praise you for these things. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen, amen, glory to God, hallelujah, 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 God is good, Christmas party is coming up Friday, December 15th at 6.30, if you would see Pastor Nid to purchase tickets, uh, please do it as soon as possible, Um, it's getting difficult to get some supplies and food and things like that. It's going to be a sit-down dinner. All ages are welcome. Guests, of course, are welcome. So if you would see Pastor knit after service to purchase tickets, and uh, it's going to be Friday, December 15th at 6.30. It's in your announcements. It's in your email. It's on the website. It's on the overheads. And we have hard copies out in the foyer of all the announcements. Amen. 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 Father, we bless you and praise you, Father. Thank you for your word today. Father, I thank you that whether those are here in the room or whether they are on live stream, I thank you for your anointing that went forth, that opens our eyes and gives us understanding, Father, that revelation brings about application, that we can walk in these things, take hold of these things. And, Father, I just thank you so much that your word is more than enough in every situation. Your word says to give. And it's given back to us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You said there's one that gives and yet increases all the more. You said that we can bring the tithe into the storehouse, and you open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing till there's not room enough to receive it. And you rebuke the devourer for our sake. Father, I thank you for your promises. Thank you, Father, for your blessings. But I thank you for the opportunity to love you, to honor you in our giving. We thank you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you need an envelope for a credit card or cash giving, it's on the seat back in front of you. If you join us on live stream, podcast, or wherever you may be online, thank you so much for joining with us today. It's always good to join together under the banner of the Word of God. And um, I hope and pray that the Word of God has touched you and affected you right where you're at today. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, New Life Family Worship. And click on the giving link. And we thank in advance for the seed that you sow. If there's anything we can stand in prayer with you about, please let us know. It's always an honor to stand with our partners and believe God with you for your needs to be met. God is a good God, and God's eye is always on you. His ear is open to you, and His arm is stretched out towards you. Amen.